0: doing a little bit uh, of a mini episode this week in between our usual sessions, and we are interviewing Taylor Smith, the creator of Spell this week. So Taylor, for the people who are listening who don't know, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and about your game Spell?
1: I would be happy to, thank you. Uh, So my name is Taylor Smith. I publish independently through Whimsy Machine Games, and Spell the RPG is on Kickstarter now. I launched it about last week, and it goes until March 9th uh, it is a tabletop role-playing game that uses dice and letter tiles and it is a magic system that is what you spell is what you cast so you know it's a it's a pun <laughs> it's a uh, lightweight game that I designed to be accessible and ideally you know fun and lightweight and not necessarily one of those adventure simulators like I Love D anD D and Burning Wheel as much as the next person, but sometimes it's nice to be able to dive in with a quick character creation and uh, a fast and lighthearted story.
2: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned the Kickstarter. Uh, I did, and this is the second actual Kickstarter for Spell. Sadly, the first Kickstarter did not meet its goal. Um, this time around though, it's already met its goal. And then some, I-, I checked it just a few minutes before we started recording. And as of right now with about 27 days left in the Kickstarter, uh, it looks like you've more than tripled your goal for this one and exceeded the goal for the original. Um, what do you believe contributed to the difference in the outcome between, uh, the first Kickstarter and this one?
1: Well, if I, if I really had to pick it apart, I w- I would think, what contributed to the success of this one is that I knew what I was doing. Uh, When I did the first campaign, uh, I think it was about two and a half years ago, I really did not know what I was doing. I didn't promote it very well. I uh, felt awkward telling people about this thing that I was doing and I felt guilty uh, asking people for money, (laughs) um, which is kind of counterintuitive to a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, The way that I sourced out those components, too, was very piecemeal. Uh, On that one, I was having one company provide laser engraved tiles. I was having another company provide metal tins that I was going to uh, screen print myself. I'm going to pause for a second. Do you guys hear the dog barking? Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. That is actually a neighbor's dog, so there's not much I can do about it. Uh, No worries. Oh, no worries. Yeah. So uh, the previous campaign was, um, it was a lot of fun and it was a very good learning experience. And I'm actually kind of glad that it did not fund because I probably wouldn't have known what to do with the money either. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of,
0: um, what kind of advice would you give to uh, future Kickstarters? People who also want to use this platform to fund their ideas and projects?
1: There's so much content on the the internet, there's so many articles, and uh, Kickstarter has this campus section, and it can seem exhausting to have to read through it, uh, or it seems like you may know how to do it already, but I just encourage you to take the time. If you think you're gonna launch one day, uh, push that back a month or (laughs) more, so you can just read other people's experiences, Gosh, I'm really sorry about no. that dog. No <laughs> worries. This is this is okay. a super
2: professional operation here, yeah. and dog noises in the background will not be
1: tolerated. No, we're fine. Okay, <laughs> it's just like it's wild because he's been quiet like the entire day. But uh, <laughs> that I'm recording. It's like he's, I've got something to say. He's <laughs>
2: hearing all of us. He knows. He knows that you're being interviewed, and he just says <laughs> he has a few uh, opinions that he wants to get out there. All right. Um, so we're, uh, so were you prepared for this overwhelming success, uh, on
3: the current Kickstarter? I, 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 took me by, you know, not to say that I was surprised that you succeeded, but it seems so quickly to have surpassed its goal. Uh, did that take, yeah, you by it,
1: it met its goal in about 24 hours, which was really exciting. And, and really what it means is, um, I'm not going to spend the next month just like stressed out and wringing my hands. Uh, so that was definitely nice. Um, I I think when you launch a Kickstarter, you kind of plan for it to either completely fail or blow up. <laughs> and uh, it usually ends up somewhere in the middle, but it's really good to plan for both. Um, I worked at, at Space Goat Productions oh. before I went... Um, independent and i was a lead designer on a couple of the games that they published that went through kickstarter yeah, yeah. and one of them was evil Dead 2 the I, official board game i Kickstarter that one as well yeah <laughs> yeah it it absolutely uh blew up and went wild and it was also a learning experience for me personally and for the company uh i won't speak too much to that because as an ex-employee, I no longer work there. There's some NDAs and things I'm not allowed to say, Right. but um, yeah, having seen that and then, of course, seeing things like um, I think, what was that? Kingdom Death Monster that made oh yeah 12 million? Some, yeah,
2: it was something, something same like that. Of money.
1: Just outrageous. Yeah, so you, you look at those and you're like, okay, if I make a million dollars, what the heck am I going to do with that money? What am I going to give people <laughs> Because like once it starts happening, you want to be able to you know, provide more or be able to grow uh, accordingly. And fortunately, I'm doing a, a Make 100, so uh, I'm only going to be making 100 of those wooden boxes. Yeah. Uh, and that was something that I talked to the company about before, too, because they've worked with companies in the past that have done Kickstarters that just wildly overfunded. And they're like, look, we can't make 1,000 wooden boxes. <laughs> we're, just, like, we're gluing these together ourselves. We, we can't. Um, So that was a nice um, way to sort of limit that part. And then if it does wildly overfund, um, it's just printing books from there. Uh, So, yeah, I like to plan for if it doesn't fund at all and I'm just sitting there like, okay, I'm going to get a day job and continue publishing these things as PDFs uh, online.
2: So if it continues in this current pace, do you have any other ideas for like, other potential stretch goals, like I've seen a few of them that you have, but like it sounds like you are prepared for that eventuality.
1: Yeah, and so for this Kickstarter campaign, um, I did end up launching it a little bit sooner than I would have liked, and that was mainly to make sure that I could get within the Kickstarter's Make One Hundred promotional project, uh, which is means it has to launch during the month of January. So. The only thing that I feel this campaign really lacked at launch was that full list of all the stretch goals that would be visible outright. And The main reason for that is Spellbook Volume 2. So the Kickstarter is coming with the core rulebook and then Spellbook Volume 1, which is a collection of settings and campaigns that I've written and had other illustrators uh, provide art for. Spellbook Volume 2 is going to be written by other creators. Um, People like um, the one that I just announced, Justine Prado, who is a uh, comic book writer, and she's actually a stage director and and does work in theater, too. Uh, I I really enjoy her work. She did the Finding Molly comic book by Emmett Comics, and um, it's illustrated by Linka Simakova, who just does these really awesome, haunting, creepy, gothic art that I really, really love. Um, I'm working with a few other creators too that I hope to announce it's just something that I needed to be, make sure that They were totally on board. I was totally on board all the paperwork was in place They knew that they were going to get paid and I knew that they were going to be able to commit to a schedule Before I announced it so there's a couple of other chapters coming up that I just want to totally set in stone before I, I promise anything that might be complicated later
0: Okay, so what has changed in this version of Spell the RPG versus the beta version that we've been playing?
1: So there's a couple of major differences. Most of the minor differences is I've, I've cleaned up all of those typos, which I can guarantee you have been <laughs> causing me pain like tiny little thorns these past two years. Um, so I, I've done some gradual cleanup. I've reread some of the ways that I describe things. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and can clarify that. So there's a little bit of uh, house cleaning there. But some of the bigger things are, um, I I don't want to say rehauled, but most of the impulses, which are the, the core stats of the game, have been renamed. Um, because I kept finding that those were the kind of hardest part for people to wrap their heads around. Uh, And I I realized that it's not the players, it's the system. Uh, That was the common denominator. So there are uh, the same basic ideas. But for example, one of the original uh, impulses was vision. And since it's named after a perceptive sense, people always used it for looking, like literally seeing, which wasn't my intention. But I definitely get how the homophones work. And so that ended up being reinterpreted into an impulse called scheme, which is all about
3: uh,
1: using a, a holistic understanding of a situation and sort of strategizing, connecting dots, and working in this more like holistic zoomed-out way to to solve your problems. Uh, the other thing was um, clout was one of the original impulses, and I don't think any person knew what clout was. That was almost always the the discussion. I think I probably got that off of thesaurus um, so, in the first place.
0: So it's kind of funny that you brought up clout, because uh, in the campaign that we've been running, which is uh, a Japanese magic high school theme, um, I basically just based my entire character off of clout, <laughs> because her entire goal is to become class president. And so, just all of her spells have to do with, you know, creating bento boxes and like charming teachers. And so, I don't know. I, I love the cloud. That
1: <laughs> yeah. but... well, like that's super awesome, and I'm so happy that you read it and like resonated with it. Uh, the The new system has uh, the, the new set has renown, which okay. is functionally the same. It's yeah. just a word that makes more sense uh, right. and is a little bit more. Um, like well-known and fits more within i think uh, somebody's vernacular uh so yeah there's there's they're all the same ideas um but most of them have been renamed and a lot of them have been reclarified so they just make a little bit more sense
2: okay, okay.
1: one would think that uh oops, sorry uh, go ahead i was just going
2: to say one would think that with a uh with a spell with a with a game kind of based around you know the use of language that people would be embracing uh raising their vocabulary skills a little bit with more unfamiliar words but i don't know maybe that's just me <laughs> yeah uh
1: i think i think there's um pluses and minuses there i'm i'm okay <laughs> using weird words uh in, in some of my descriptions but when it when it comes to the core game systems i would like That to be like, oh, yeah, I know what that means. (laughs) Um, And and already I've seen these new batch of words. um, People kind of intuit what they represent a little bit better than before. Like, before I kind of had to read the whole description. People were like, I get it. But now people kind of, like, pick it up a little bit faster and kind of intuit what the meaning. And that's ideally what, like, yeah, ideally you want game design to be more intuitive than like a puzzle that somebody has to solve before they even play the game. But right. so now that I say that, I kind of want to make this an esoteric, like abstract, working. that's not something I need to think <laughs> about right now.
3: <laughs> All right. So so where did the idea for a Spell kind of come from? What was the kind of origin of the game?
1: Oh, God. That, uh, that I get to talk about myself a little bit. I have what some people refer to either as a habit or a hobby or a sickness, <laughs> where I really like thinking of role-playing games, and I've kind of contextualized it as it's my way of interacting with other creative media in the world. Like some people make fan art, some people do fan fictions, uh, some people like to, you know, buy all the copies or something. I like making RPGs. Um, and for the 200-word RPG challenge, I think last year, I created a set of, of five 200-word RPGs, and one of them was It's All a Game, which is just about the idea of taking things that exist in the world, just like looking around, and how do you make that playable? Because it's just kind of something my brain does all the time, no matter what. Um, and for spells specifically, several years ago, I remember like playing Scrabble with my brother or something. And just seeing these letter tiles and just thinking, like, I need to make these into a game. And it just sort of stewed on it in the back of my head for a really long time. And then while I was actually working on a a different um, role-playing project, uh, because I co-ran a a live-action role-play for uh, about seven years. Um, And there's a lot of, like, house ruling and homebrewing that went on there. One of the things is I came up with a system of impulses to sort of describe the basic... Motivational drives of people. And that whole system ended up being scrapped from the other game. Uh, and that's so, sort of that on this system. I'm like, okay, so I have these set of 12 concepts, which were changed even into the beta version. Like, these kind of describe, oh, well, these could be like a core character stat, but it's not enough on its own. I was like, hey, I could put the letters into this. <laughs> and it just sort of all fit together. I had these like different scrapped components that I really wanted to have a home. I was like, ah, they were meant for each other.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> and
1: then I named it Spell, because I like puns. <laughs> <laughs> let, let that be a lesson
2: to those of you at home. Never give up on any idea, because eventually you're going to have another weird idea that's going to fit with it. It's
0: true.
2: Very true. Uh, uh, let's see. So, can so we talked a little bit about Spellbook Volume One. You said that you're coming up with some most of the ideas for this one. Uh, can we get a little preview of what some of those ideas are for the people listening? Like maybe something that you're really really excited for the the players who've been playing this in the beta version to get their hands on and like see what they can do with it.
1: Yeah. So, Spellbook Volume One is a lot of fun, uh, and it's actually it is available in its own sort of beta version. It's went through fewer revisions. Uh, I'm I'm noticing now that I got really into talking about impulses and didn't talk about the entirely new Enchanted Item magic system that I got added or the new fun things you can do with spells like Blessing People and Cursing People. Uh, (laughs) But um, for Spellbook Volume 1, the non-illustrated version has been available on my Gumroad. And so for this version, it gets to be print, it's fully illustrated, and I have gone through and cleaned it up a little bit more too. Uh, And so the five stories... In this are um magic moon warriors which is a magical girl setting which has just been a, a ton of fun i've probably run that one the most um and there's just it started out as almost like a parody to like anime and magical girls and that sort of thing but the more that i kind of ran it and went back through and watched more uh, sailor moon i just realize, like, no, I, I love this too much just to make fun of it. So it's very much like an homage <laughs> to, like, fighting monsters, like, shadow monsters. And so that that one's a lot of just fun. Um, there's uh, The Crystal at Skymouth, which is... Um, the story behind that, I enjoy because it was literally me making a story idea out of the idea the sky is falling. I was just, like, driving mm-hmm. in my car one day... And I was like, the sky is falling is such a weird phrase. I wonder if I made, if I could make that into an RPG setting. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a high fantasy setting in which there's this magical barrier that blocks out the stars. Cause the stars are where the gods live. And because of this barrier, technology has frozen in time for thousands of years. And that's kind of inspired by the idea of like Lord of the Rings, how it just seems medieval for thousands and thousands of years. It doesn't really make sense. And in this one it's because there's this, this magic, uh, it's about like unraveling ancient secrets, uh, very high fantasy questy. Um, god Queen is inspired by. I was doing a lot of reading about Mesopotamian mythology and like imperial imperial cults and like god kings. The idea of somebody just ruling so hard they become a deity. Uh, so I kind of reinterpreted that into this potentially GM-less or like rotating GM system. Where you create, uh, you control a pantheon of characters where each person is a god in this pantheon and you guide a civilization through hundreds of thousands of years instead of, you know, playing it in real time like a group of characters going on a journey, you just sort of civilization mode zoomed out. So that one's kind of, um, I wouldn't recommend that as somebody's first playthrough. (laughs) If you've played it a couple of times and you feel like getting weird with it, or you like games like The Quiet Year, Um, that's going to be a little bit more that speed. That Um, does sound like a
3: lot
2: of fun. That sounds like something, actually, that Alex would enjoy. Oh, no. Actually. Yeah.
1: Um, And one of the things that I've done with it in running is uh, I have a couple of friends who are are, are super into D&D, and they really wanted to do um, a a D&D, and this might end up being a podcast. It's one of those things where they're like, let's do an actual play podcast. And it's like, well, I'll I'll run you a game. You can record it. Whatever podcast thing happens, that's... I'm going to be kind of hands-off of that part because that sounds hard. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of respect to you guys for actually doing this. Well,
2: thanks. Uh, yeah, again, super
1: professional that that I, over here. <laughs> oh, yes, very. Um, I even have my dog assistant quietly uh, behaving now. So. Oh. Aw.
0: That's
1: good. Um, I say I have no control over that situation. <laughs> now uh, that you've said One of the that things that I, I've yeah. done with God Queen was um, I ran a short session of the Pantheon kind of establishing this world. And then we transitioned to Dungeons and Dragons where they played as like mortals in the world that their spell characters were the gods of. And so they got to see like the ground level version of the stories of things that their gods did, but like reinterpreted through history. Um, And that was a really fun thing because they got to build their own lore. For the world, and they weren't necessarily having to read all the backstory because I've definitely run those campaigns where I'm like, okay, you guys ready to play? Did you read my 200 my word document about the migratory patterns of the, the native bird populations? No.
2: Yeah, we're, we're all looking at Alex because that's literally the, our regular D&D game is, uh, is in, set in a world that he made with all this backstory that none of us have read. Like 1st <laughs> accounts
0: yeah. of things, anyway. Uh, yeah.
2: So that does sound like something, again, that'd be pretty much right yeah. up our alley in terms of what we're doing. I think
0: you've doing. hit all of our buttons for things that like just the three of us enjoy. So
1: <laughs> Awesome. Well, that, that is definitely the hope. Uh, yeah, I've, I've listened to... to, to your your guys a show before and i really just like the way that you guys play um and so yeah i was excited to be able to do this interview because of that aw
0: thanks um so where do you see the game going after the kickstarter is completed and just to throw that date out again there it is march 9th
1: that's correct it's march 9th okay um yeah it ends just after emerald city Comic because I wanted one last promotional thing. I'm going to be there probably shilling flyers as much as I possibly can.
0: Excellent.
1: Um, So the future of Spell, it's not a game that I think I'm ever going to be done with. Uh, Like, Not to say that it's incomplete, but with the Spellbook and the format there and working, especially now that I'm working with a lot more uh, and different creators, it's just really fun and exciting to see what other people do with the system. So I've thought of a couple of different things about uh, you know, being able to bring other people in to keep creating these spell books, these, these stories uh, that, that people can play and kind of do uh, an ongoing anthology of that. I've talked to a couple of the artists about doing comic book adaptations of some of the stories. So for example, the artist behind uh, Crystal Skymouth is a uh, comic book artist. By trade, and he keeps like every every now like every fifth email probably. He's like, okay, but when are we going to make a comic of this? <laughs> he's like, I would love to, Jack, but comics are expensive.
3: <laughs> yes.
1: Um, yeah. So, the ongoing stories are definitely something that I want to continue to build out um, mm-hmm. because there's, I think, a lot of potential there. Instead of just having one set setting, even though there's a lot of setting stuff that I want to explore within Spell, for example, uh, scribes. Are mentioned very very briefly in spell, which is the the idea that so spell the magic is this universal language that describes all of reality, and characters see this language and they translate it. So while the player is rearranging the pieces, the player or the character is actually perceiving reality in this similar way. And the scribes are these hypothetical beings who wrote the language or has something to do with that. Uh, so that's kind of one of those outer world um, concepts that I think would be really fun to explore later on. Uh, um, but I, I definitely have come up with a lot of weird ideas. Probably some of them are really bad, like how to incorporate numbers. Um, one of the ideas that I was potentially calling uh, Interrobang was about <laughs> using punctuation. <laughs> uh, um, And so that's something that like might be a mod or a hack I just sort of make for myself at some point and be like, okay, if you want to play it. Um, So spell feels like a flagship, but I also have a ton of other game ideas that I want to develop on their own too.
2: All right. Um, So did you have anyone kind of particular in mind or a particular type of player in mind when you created the game?
1: Uh, in a way, so something that I'm really proud about for Spell is, uh, okay, so I played and ran a LARP for a really long time, and it started out using like the World of Darkness setting, and I knew a lot of people who played Dungeons and Dragons, and I knew a lot of people who either were significant others or friends of people who played a lot of things like World of Darkness or Dungeons and Dragons, who were just completely turned off from tabletop gaming, as a hobby because it was just so daunting. The idea of sitting down with the spreadsheet-like character sheet and these books and books and books that you have to read all of just to even know how to begin making a character. Uh, There are a lot of these people who are just really put off. And what I'm most proud of is being the first tabletop game that those people have played that made them excited about the hobby. Um, And I've found that the game is almost more accessible to people who have never played a role-playing game before than people who have been playing games like D&D for so long, just because it's a little bit more open-ended. It requires uh, a little bit more um, player creation instead of, you know, picking a spell from a list or, you know, knowing everything about the world because you you read the books and kind of collaboratively making a, a story together. So I think... The player that I had in mind was the person who might know about tabletop gaming, but it sounds kind of like frightening or daunting, and just letting them know, like, okay, you can just play with words and make jokes with your friends, and this is the only dice that you need to roll. But still having a system that has those core stats, that has character progression, and that you can tell an ongoing long-term story with.
2: Okay. Yeah, we, I think we actually said that on the episode of the podcast where we mentioned you. Like, It sounded it, that this is kind yeah. of a perfect system for someone who's never played before.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, that it's so kind of easily accessible and it's more about the storytelling, which is something that we as players kind of appreciate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and
0: having been one of those significant others that kind of just got brought into Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> because it was the thing that my significant other is... Into, um, you know, and I, I think we've been playing that same game for two years, and I still am always like, "Wait, what do I do? I have what spells?" A- anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, like I, I totally know what you yeah. mean. I'm running a DM game, and I still feel like, "Wait, you do what? How yeah, you do that. Is that okay?" <laughs> I'm a level what now?
0: Okay. Yeah. So
3: Yeah. All right. So, in your in your uh, promotion of spell, you. I notice you're generally very wary of making references to other games that use letter tiles. Have you gotten pushback from, you know, big-name board game companies uh, about that, or is that just something
1: you're doing uh you? Have your...
0: taken down big board game?
1: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, actually, Milton Bradley came up to me. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, the Parker Brothers are it... mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, not something that I have been approached about or, like, I haven't gotten any sort of, like, cease and desist or anything like that. It's something that, I don't know, I feel vague about, like, just in case. Um, when I was working at Spacegoat we were working on licensed games. So I got to see a whole lot of the, you know, like, behind the scenes and the, like, the economy of intellectual property, which is just... A really surreal thing because it's literally like lending and buying and selling and trading ideas and concepts and words Um, so I just became like really hyper vigilant about that sort of thing Uh, in any sort of official promotion I'll say like it's letter tiles and you can use this Uh, you can use the letter tiles I provide or you can like use them from your favorite old game Or something like that. But conversationally, I'll say, like, yeah, use Scrabble tiles or Bananagrams. I started, when I first started beta testing or like play testing Spell, I used my old set of Scrabble um, and then moved to Bananagrams uh, and then made my own, you know, proprietary set of prototype tiles. But yeah, um, and that's the thing with like, I really don't want to be, I don't want there to be a price barrier for people Mm. on Spell either. So if, like, most people have Scrabble. I think it's, like, one of those games that I think houses come with it. <laughs> um, it and so, like, yeah, if if you don't want to buy the tiles and you just have a set at home that you want to play with, like, it, it's definitely cool. But, yeah, I do try to play by the rules in terms of branded and trademark names that I, I use in my own promotion. So
0: on your Kickstarter campaign, you mentioned that mm-hmm. the ideal tile distribution is a bit different from other letter tile type games, uh, that yes. we're not going to say the names of let's, <laughs> let's say that a hundred dollar backer level is a little, little out of our price range or yeah. that someone is listening to this after the Kickstarter has ended, how would you recommend playing the game to get the full experience?
1: Okay. So yeah. And to, to say that too, uh, the collector's box set because this is the make 100s deal it is a hundred dollars it's the laser engraved box and tiles and dice and two books and all that stuff i've definitely had friends who are like i'm gonna support you in your campaign i'm like yeah that's cool you don't have to get the box set though I was like no dude i'm gonna support you it's like it's a hundred dollars and like i'm gonna support you by getting the books or maybe the pdf <laughs> <laughs> like that's totally okay uh i will never fault somebody if they like look at this and like that's a little expensive i'm like yeah it is <laughs> yeah. It's it's wood and it's laser engraved and it's like it's fun but like it's one of those things like I don't know if I would buy it but I don't know other people are so I'm glad oh, that man. Well, it we makes just got them happy.
0: I'm so <laughs> <we> just... <laughs> sorry.
1: Yeah. So uh if you don't get the tiles and I am working with uh my manufacturer and I'm looking working with a couple of other options to get a set of tiles that are just more cost effective and I just keep running into this issue of uh like the most cost effective thing happens at a quantity in a scale that i 'm just not operating at like when you're dealing with custom molded plastics, you need to be distributing in the thousands or at least the upper hundreds um before that cost starts making sense um i've considered buying uh, letter tiles on like in bulk just on like Amazon or something and then sorting them out myself, but again, that sounds hard um <laughs> So through uh, my site, I have a, a spell tile generator. Uh, and if, it's on whimsymachinegames.com, where you can go to the letter bot and roll dice. And it generates letters. And that's something actually a fan made. The first time I ran the Kickstarter campaign, they just made a, a little HTML bot for fun and sent it to me. So I was like, OK, I'll just make it freely available on the, the site. So that will get you the letter distribution. Um, but honestly, I've, I've run it with Bananagrams before I've run it with Scrabble before. I think somebody talked about doing upwards, which I've never played, but it's like 3d Scrabble. Like that sounds wild. Yeah. Homebrew a system around that. Um, (laughs) specifically the letter distribution is only different because one, I really like spreadsheets and I wanted to design my own distribution once I realized that Scrabble and Bananagrams were different from each other. I was like, (laughs) Oh, I need to come up with my own system so I created multiple spreadsheets to determine the percentage of viable words or the count of viable words from distributions and stuff like that because I like math Um, the main difference is that spell has slightly fewer uh, vowels and slightly more of a couple of other key and common consonants because it's designed to get the most amount of words possible with a single roll of of tiles. So Scrabble or Bananagrams expect you to be using all of the tiles at once, right? So Scrabble needs to be able to make viable words throughout the entire course of the game, or Bananagrams, you know, everybody's pulling tiles and everybody's playing at once, where spell, usually only one or two people are making a spell at a time. So it just needs to be designed to um, be able to have a letter distribution that's just a little bit more fit. So ultimately what it comes down to is I think a hand of 10 letters makes on average like 80 viable words instead of from Scrabble something like 50 viable words. Um, So there's there's math there, but you can still have a good time if you don't get the proprietary spell TM tiles, (laughs) which is like the worst salesman thing that I could say. But yeah. Yeah,
2: it is it is has happened with us playing with, you know, generic letter game tiles that we've, you know, on a bit on a not that great role. We've wound up with like why as the only vowel and then we have to figure something out from there. Um, doesn't happen really
0: creative with spelling. Yeah, I'll say
1: it doesn't happen often, but it has happened once or twice. Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely encouraged, though. Um, I think one of my favorites was. I think it was the Third Wheel uh, folks who do uh, the YouTube series Sterling Intent. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. did a spell st- yeah, they did a spell stream. And that's- I'm pretty sure they were the ones that tried to spell E equals M C Square by putting two letter I's sideways over the top <laughs> of each other and then spelling that's the weird. word two two uh, and like that's the stuff that I'd love. Like when you're actually playing with physical tiles or like people trying to put an N sideways to make a Z. Like yeah, do it, break the game. I love that. <laughs> okay.
3: Yeah, I remember that. It was actually through um, it was actually through the third wheel that I found Spell. So it's it's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's honestly um, a lot of people's stories because, like I said, the first campaign that I ran, the Kickstarter campaign that I ran, I did next to no promotion, except for Thrilling Intent did a spell live stream when I launched the campaign. So that live stream was running while the kickstarter campaign was launching um and honestly most of the publicity that i got was all thanks to them and i've uh stayed in touch with um jay and Faye who are both now local uh to me mm. um and they've been really really great folks to work with um and i just feel like i owe them a whole lot because yeah they were the the promotion that i was not
3: yeah the uh the, their first, the first uh, let's play, the first let's stream of it was uh, was good. I really like their second one, uh,
2: corporate wizardry. I've I just mm-hmm.
1: thought yeah. That. <laughs> all right. yeah.
2: All right, all right. So you you have talked about your past as you know working for Space Goat and a little bit about um, you know other games that you've helped run or helped design. How did you get involved in? Tabletop games in general, and specifically in, in tabletop game design, previous to this,
1: um, I feel like that's the sort of like if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, first you have to in, like invent the universe type <laughs> of question. Okay. It all began when I was a wee young boy. <laughs> um, but like, no, honestly, when I when I was very 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 young, I was uh, I'm the youngest of uh, four uh I would make what I called mazes, but they were like drawn pictures of 2D platformers. So like imagine like a Sonic the Hedgehog level zoomed out with like little loop-de-loops and platforms and different hazards, and I would make my siblings control a character and just go through these pathways. And I think that's kind of the first game design thing that I did. It was just always sort of like when artists say they've been drawing since they could hold a crayon. it's like, that's, that was kind of my first step. And then after high school or like during high school, I got kind of involved in LARP a little bit, didn't really get big into tabletop gaming. Um, and I was just sort of like tangential to a lot of that stuff. Um, and then once I got really big into LARP after high school is when I really started looking at game systems, reading through different game systems and participating in more tabletops and really just kind of getting into the hobby and realizing that like this is this is a lot of fun. This is something that I feel like I've always kind of thought about in terms of like how I've interacted and how I've like played. Like as a kid, when I would play, it was a lot of pretend and narrative storytelling sort of things. That that sort of found made the the foundation of what would to become like the career. Uh, I published spell. Um, after doing the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter failed, so I just put it as a PDF online, and that was about two and a half years ago. And that was the first game I published. Uh, and then from there, at, at Spaceco, because Spaceco predominantly did uh, does uh, comic books, and I was a comic book editor and production manager and and stuff that sort of thing. But we kind of worked on games a little bit just by providing art. Uh, and I was talking to my boss who was looking at. You know the swelling industry of licensed games, um, and just sort of saying like, "Hey, I make games." So he was like, "Oh shoot!" And I got the Evil Dead Two license for board games, and I made Evil Dead Two in five weeks, and then we launched a Kickstarter campaign, um, which is uh, not a healthy habit. That was a that was an intense period of time. Uh, so that's when I got sort of. Thrown into the world of professional board game industry, I started going to conventions and talking with distributors and manufacturers and sourcing and pricing, and that's when I saw a lot of the industry side of things. And so now that I'm on my own, I have a lot of the the business experience channeled through and like the passion and making games that like I really want to make and I really believe in, um, and so. Yeah, it's all... I, I may have lost track of the question, so let me know if I answered that or not.
2: I, I think you did. I think we're good. Yeah. Okay.
1: I'm a rambler, if you, if you haven't noticed. No, it's, it's fine. I'll do that. Like, like you said, you've,
2: you've listened to yeah. our podcast. You know you, yeah. you know what we're like. Yeah. Um, all
0: right. So um, on your website, you have two other games featured, 1,200 Words and Onward We Been Ships.
1: Bean, ships. Yeah, bean, bean ships. ships.
0: Bean Ships. Bean Ships. apologize. Uh, what are these games about? What can you tell oh, us about? Oh, yeah.
1: So I'm, I'm so glad that you, you brought up those. Um, I have published a, a number of uh, different RPGs. And honestly, most of them are free or pay what you want through My Gum Road, or they, they can go through the site. Um, there's a couple of others besides Onward We Bean Ships and 1200 Words, which um, are on the Gum Road. But... A little less proud of them, I guess, because I didn't play test them. I just was like, I made this thing. Here you go. Um, most of those are designed for design challenges that happen on, on the internet every so often. Uh, things like Game Chef or uh, the 200 word RPG challenge or just like fantasy game design challenges that pop up in online communities and they sound a lot of fun. So I do a thing. Um, I think Onward We Bean Ships. I designed over a weekend as a de-stressor. Um, and I really like that game because it is it was for a fantasy design challenge where you have to make an RPG that does not use dice, does not use spell lists and does not use like a eurocentric fantasy world analog. So it's essentially make a fantasy game that is not at all D&D. Um, and so what onward we bean chips is is you play as a hive-minded community of these things called beans. And when the beans get together, they are a bean chip. Um, and it's kind of like uh, somebody kind of compared it to Pikmin once. And that's that's sort of similar. So the idea is you can solve any problem. Any challenge that you come across, you can solve given enough time. Because what you do is you bud and you evolve. And you can learn new skills just by uh, doing things Um, You have a couple of different varieties of beans, so there's the ones that are really good at picking things up, or ones that are, like, they can communicate with plants and stuff. Um, But when you take your time to solve a problem, other problems can occur. So it's about managing your bean ship and going on a kind of adventure quest. It's uh, intended to be lighthearted, it's, like, about being very very small in a very very big world um and just you know working together and persevering and um yeah so it's it's a fun weird little game that uh i would love to you know return to and and make something out of um that's a little bit you know grander scale and then 1200 words is a uh So for the 200-word RPG challenge, which is exactly what it sounds like, you have to design a role-playing game in 200 words or fewer. And uh, that's very, very difficult because 200 words is like a paragraph or two. Uh, And that's the entirety of the RPG. I made five of them, and I could not decide which two, because you're only allowed to submit two, uh, to submit. So I actually missed the deadline and didn't submit anything and wasn't able to participate in the, the, the challenge because I was just wracked with indecision. Um, but that's kind of a, it's a personal set of games because um, it's sort of um, I have uh, anxiety and OCD. And those are things that I have kind of like, grappled with and changed with. And like over the last couple of years, like through therapy and through medication, I've been able to get a much better handle on those things and be able to work productively and interact a little bit better with the world. Um, and so 1,200 words are five different 200-word RPGs plus an extra 200 words of description before and after. So the entire game is exactly 1,200 words, huh. um, which is why it's named that. Just kind of about how um, my brain with with anxiety and OCD kind of interacts with the world. Uh, so there's uh, one game is about. Um, like having too many thoughts and kind of getting overwhelmed by a lot of thoughts. And even when you successfully pursue something, it just creates more thoughts. Um, One of them is kind of like about imposter syndrome and feeling like you are not only deceiving others, but you're deceiving yourself. But some of them are about um, singing song. And so one's written entirely in in verse because when I'm home alone, uh, I just really like singing and sort of like expressing um, that sort of like creative way is a way that I don't know, like feels good and is like a creative expression. That's very, very personal because like I don't really sing in front of anybody.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and then one of them is about like a, a functionally love is your only stat. And so you don't like hurt people. You just interact with the love that they have and you try to, like untether the love that they have for things that you might disagree with. So like, for example, you could run a session that your villain is trying to take over the world or something. And so you're not going to go and stab them with the sword because you only act out of love. So you love what you're trying to protect. And so you have to understand what they love. And you have to like rationalize and interact with them in a way that all kind of comes up. And then the last one is It's All a Game, which is about, being able to look at it like anything in the world. And I think one of the examples I use is like a clock. You can make a clock into an RPG. And how do you do that? Is it time-based? Are people literally on like a flat disc shaped world that is the face of a clock or that sort of thing? So that's kind of like a, a journal in RPGs of my own kind of personal experience with mental health.
2: I think you've just made Elise's day. She looked very excited during just about every description you just gave.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and so both of those games, since they haven't been like thoroughly play tested, um, they uh, are kind of like moderately laid out and in design by me, not a graphic designer. Uh, those are just uh, free or pay what you want on uh, whimsymachinegames.com or uh, Gumroad.
3: Maybe we we'll have to check those out sometime. Yeah, that's yeah,
2: those yeah. all sound like something we'd be uh, interested in trying out. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so back to spell for just one quick second. Uh, sure. Were there any other people who helped you with the creation of the game, or was this kind of a, a solo? Here's this idea that I have. I'm going to make it happen. Kind of a thing.
1: Um. So I'm like, I, I've definitely been part of local gaming and tabletop culture, and like I said, um, the impulses system was something that like I designed intended to be a part of an RPG that somebody else was designing. So I was working collaboratively with that person at the time, working on a lot of other stuff. Um, but it was like this big wide scoping uh, fantasy, like modern fantasy game. And the impulses were just one little piece of it. And it ended up not meshing with the rest of the system. So like, I definitely don't think that I am an Island in this. Uh, the, the, Design was definitely um, my like my path and my journey that I was going on, but there were a lot of other people that like I played with, um, and then like a couple of people that I knew started running their own games, which was just like wild and weird. That and like this is my my game and you're just playing it and that's so cool. <laughs> um, and so definitely through seeing other people play it and run it and doing their own homebrews. Um, And one of the things that I tried to do is since like uh, I'm still like, I'm, I'm not a big, huge creator. I, uh, you know, I like, I still see when, if somebody adds me on, on Twitter, it doesn't happen all that often. Um, And so like, I have these emails set up that if somebody buys a game, it sends them out an email a couple of weeks after they bought the game. That's just like, Hey, how's the gaming going? and if they respond to me I, like I'll always personally respond to those emails um and like I just got one the other day that somebody was telling me about their their uh their their setting and the the spells that they came up with and those are always just like really really fun stories for me because everybody comes at it a little bit differently and that's all very much influenced uh, not only the original version of spell but especially this um the the new version of spell and one of the things that i did is i, I sent out a um google form survey for everybody who has bought a uh, spell in the past and it was like okay um what do you feel like is missing what's the most common thing that you homebrew uh what are your favorite parts of the system what's like confusing parts of the system and that sort of thing and, and people uh, gave a ton of feedback. So one of the stretch goals that we hit was uh, about companions and summons and mounts. And that was by far the most brought up thing in that survey, in that poll. And I think it's it's cool. And it's definitely something that I want to do, but I couldn't say that I would have done it without um, the contribution from uh, just people who've gotten before and, and like fans of the game and stuff like that.
3: All right, so you mentioned uh, how Spell is going to kind of continue to grow and you're going to plan to continue to, to um, get collaborators to work on other Spell volumes. Uh, but do you have any other projects like lined up that you want to talk about? Anything else that you're going to have in the back of your brain that maybe you'd want to reach the level of Spell uh, in the future?
1: Yeah, um, I, oh I always have projects. <laughs> um, for, uh, I, I guess just off the top of my head, um, I was on, uh, Twitter the other day. And one of the things that I kind of realized is like, you can make fan RPGs, uh, and like, it, it seems very, very obvious, but I really like when, um, like artists create fan art for each other, like, especially like if OCs or something like that in the community that it happens when, People share art and creations of each other, and I'd seen that happen for so long, and I just thought like wait i can I can contribute to that. So I started making these like little one page uh, RPGs that were inspired by the art of uh, a couple of the artists that I follow that I really like. Um, and like they were really happy with it. and then um, I mentioned it to so uh, Kate Sheridan on Twitter. And this isn't like official announcements or anything like that because this is all just an anecdote. Uh, Posted a joke that was, for Valentine's Day, I will only accept solicitations in the form of like gifts of swords or something. Um, Swords? And then another Twitter user responded, "Uh, tired, bouquet of flowers, wired, bouquet of swords. And like that exchange was just like, I love this. I want to make a game called Bouquet of Swords where you play as a sword like a like an Excalibur or like a, a type of sword and you just forge your destiny over time and like human wielders are functionally your equipment like, <laughs> so like somebody might come and wield you for a while and so like I just tweeted at them and it was like I want to make Bouquet of Swords the RPG this sounds hilarious and they responded like yeah let's do it um so like that's just like a Twitter conversation that that happened that like, you know, it might turn into something I would be so, so much fun if it did, um, that like there are, there are always so many projects out there that would be so much fun to work on. But I, I think there's a, a responsibility to, um, you know, be focused a little bit too, like as much as I want to, um, like be able to collaborate with any person that says like, hey, this sounds neat. uh I would want to go back to games like *Onward We Beanships, Ships*, especially, uh, and, and try to build that up into something. And I do have a few other game systems that I just sort of am, am churning on in the background. And like I said, with *Spell*, it started out with me looking at Scrabble tiles and thinking, like, I needed to make those into a game. Like, Scrabble tiles weren't the only thing I've done that with. I have this system half-built of domino tiles, which are all about like connecting wires and. It's a sci-fi type of thing, and it's... I don't know how it works yet, but <laughs> I might figure it out.
2: All right. Well, uh, at this point, you know, I think we're out of... We've run plumb out of questions. Um, but do you want to take a little bit of time to plug your Kickstarter one last time for anyone listening?
1: Yeah, definitely. So Spell, the RPG, is on Kickstarter now. The Kickstarter name is make 100 spell the rpg and spell book engraved wood box set because that is the amount of letters or characters they allowed me to use and i used them <laughs> uh, it is a make 100 project which means i'm only making 100 or up to 100 of these box sets uh and i'm gonna sign them and number them and that's all that's gonna exist to these guys but they also include uh paperback books of spell the rpg which is the core rule book is about 50 pages and uh, Spellbook Volume 1, which is this illustrated collection of five campaign stories, which is about 90 pages. Um, those are available without limit. Uh, the box set itself is a wood box with a laser engraved tile or laser engraved top. It's got uh, 108 wood tiles that are laser engraved and 12 big wood dice that are just really cool um, and a drawstring cloth bag. And it is a really fun campaign that I've been really happy with the support and responses that I've gotten. Uh, we've hit a couple of stretch goals, and there are only more stretch goals to come, which are generally going to build out this, uh, th- this game and this world. And uh, I'm really excited to be able to share that with people.
0: All right. thank you.
1: So thank you, Taylor Smith
2: of uh, Whimsy Machine Games, WhimsyMachine.com. And again, the Kickstarter, uh, Spell Make 100 uh, RPG, something. <laughs> yeah. All, all, all of the, I, all of the characters. Unfortunately,
1: all of the characters. Spell RPG uh, is not the best SEO. It turns out other RPGs have spells in them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is generally Google. Now, because at least Kickstarter has the good SEO yes. for me.
2: Spell, spell VRPG usually uh, finds it pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, that should get you there.
2: All right. Well, thanks for uh, thank you for coming on the show, and thank every thank you everyone at home for listening to this experiment. Hopefully, this turned out okay. Uh, let us know in our email if you would like to have more interviews. We'll, we'll try this format again, perhaps. Uh, So some nerds have an email at gmail.com. We will be back with our regular episode this Thursday Thursday, should be coming back up. Uh, So for all of us at some nerds have a podcast, have a good evening, everybody. Thank you.